Hello and welcome to another episode of the Big Recon on Sports Podcast. I'm your host, I'm the Big Recon, and this week we've had some more changes. So I'm going to go over those, I'm going to do a little uh, current events episode, if you will, uh, with all the big news in sports coming down recently, and we are winding down a couple of different things. The NFL free agency has kicked off, the NBA season is winding down, as I unashamedly have the Cavaliers on in the background on mute so I can record. Baseball starts next week, and the NBA playoffs shortly thereafter. But it's been a crazy couple weeks here with the podcast. Uh, I did the live event after the big trade in the NFL, uh, Odell Beckham being sent by the Giants to my Cleveland Browns. Uh, anybody who watched the live event on Facebook, you saw I was decked out in my uh, Browns gear, my Denzel Ward jersey, and my hat. And, um, you know, lots of fun going to happen in Cleveland this year, but we'll get to the NFL later. We're going to start with uh, the announcement I made during the podcast. We had someone to carry it. Uh, that has since uh, not come to fruition. Uh, did not get the um, information and the go-ahead as quickly as I wanted. So we're going to keep doing it on our own. And uh, we're going to keep trying to bring you as much content as possible. Because now it's not just on the podcast, guys. It's the live events on Facebook. There's now a YouTube channel, which I did a YouTube event uh, doing my NCAA bracket. So we're actually going to start with the tournament. On my own admission, I did not watch a lot of college basketball this year. Paid attention to Ohio State, of course, being a Buckeye fan, but I did not watch a ton of college basketball. That being said, I went 14-2 and yesterday, as I'm coming to you from Friday, March 22nd. I went 14-2 and on day one, which normally means the bottom drops out on day two. But so far, so halfway decent. We lost the 12-5 matchup between Oregon and Wisconsin. Uh, we did win a 10. I did win a 10-7 Iowa and Cincinnati. Um, who else we got on here? Georgia State right now is getting killed by Houston, which was a big upset I had. Mississippi State, who I have winning, and Liberty are in a uh, in a tight one. Virginia overcame. Early issues against Gardner-Webb to win. Buffalo embarrassed their former coach, Bobby Hurley. Uh, Texas Tech, who I had, won their game. Uh, UC Irvine beat Kansas State in a 13-4 upset. I had K-State in that game. So as I said, the bottom fell out today. I believe I had Ole Miss over Oklahoma, too. I did. Oklahoma wins that game. I did pick the 10-7 the Iowa-Cincinnati game correctly. Uh, until Wisconsin lost. The Big Ten had been undefeated previously. Um, pretty big for the Big Ten. Good first couple of days. Ohio State is on tonight. They're the late game. So we'll see where that one ends up. But So the NCAA tournament's off and running. March is one of the most fun months in sports. Because March leads into baseball. So I want to do, like I said, kind of a current event episode. Uh, to get us back into the swing of things here, the big thing in baseball is all the free agent dominoes have started to fall. Who would have known it would have taken Manny Machado signing for us to get uh, everybody else going? So since Manny Machado signed, Bryce Harper, of course, signs the twelve, the 13-year, $330 million contract in Philadelphia. And then he says he wants to bring a title to D.C., which Noah Syndergaard promptly calls him a douche. 
that was hysterical. Syndergaard's like my spirit animal. Um, look, the Phillies are going to be a force to be reckoned with. But as I said in the baseball preview, the Phillies don't have the pitching to stick with a lot of teams. The back end of their bullpen is suspect. David Robertson, you know, was dealt by the Yankees or let go by the Yankees. Excuse me. He was allowed to walk in free agency by a team that spends a ton of money because they knew he wasn't the answer after Mo after Mo retired. Um, you know, the Phillies will have maybe the most dangerous lineup in all of baseball. When you team Bryce Harper with Reese Hoskins and JT Real Muto and whoever else they got, you know, they're going to be a tough team offensively. Look, Aaron Nola had a great year last year. We don't know if Velasquez is going to be after getting hit with the line drive. Um, you don't know what Pavetta is going to be in a pennant race. This team fell out of it rather quickly last year, having been in it from basically day um, right after the whole debacle with um, with Gabe Kapler. They fell out of it rather quickly toward the end of the season. Now here's the bottom line. They have not improved the places that fell apart. Their offense wasn't the problem. They have not improved the starting rotation. They've not improved the bullpen to a level where it can be considered non-problem anymore. We're a week out from opening day, and Harper is just now getting quality at bats. Manny Machado, of course, made the Padres the most entertaining third-place team in baseball history. Uh, The Padres aren't ready to win now either. I think they'll be ready quickly if the arms work out, but they're not ready yet. Uh, some of the other free agent um, dominoes to fall. Gio Gonzalez got a minor league deal from the Yankees. Dallas Keuchel is still out there. I implore Brody Van Wagen and the Mets to sign Dallas Keuchel. Um, speaking of my Mets... Peter Alonzo, or excuse me, Pete Alonzo, will make the opening day roster, and I think that is the smartest thing this team has done in a very, very long time. This is a great player who is going to be an everyday contributor to this lineup. Did injuries to Jed Lowry and Todd Frazier help this? Yes, it did, but Pete is killing the ball in spring training right now. Uh, Robinson Cano is hitting an unearthly over 450 in spring. Dominic Smith has had a great spring. Michael Conforto has hit bombs in four out of the last five games. Today is Friday, March 22nd. We are six days from opening day, which means we are five days from our Mets opening weekend preview show that we will do next week. Just haven't decided if that's going to be YouTube or if that's going to be podcast or if it's going to be Facebook. Um, So... You still have some guys out there. Kimbrel said he's willing to sit the entire season. Um, I think that would be dumb. Uh, Just because your old team doesn't want you anymore, stop it. But more importantly, the free agent dominoes are falling. Arenado signed his big deal. Machado signed his big deal. Harper signed his big deal. You saw today Chris Sale and Paul Goldschmidt have both signed extensions. Sale with the Red Sox, Goldschmidt with the Cardinals. But that's not the biggie. And oh, good Lord, is that not the biggie? Mike Trout, 12 years, $430 million. 
there's a Powerball going off this weekend that's barely over that. That is an insane amount of money. Now, you've heard a lot of guys chirping in the media. Oh, well, Trout's going to walk around L.A. And nobody's going to care. That's wonderful. That's what he wants. He enjoys it out there. He wants to be live in anonymity as opposed to coming to Philly where everyone will know him. I don't blame him for making this choice. So once the domino started to fall, you started to see the momentum. It has come out recently that the Mets are very close with Jacob DeGrom. They're optimistic they can have a contract negotiation done by the self-imposed deadline of opening day. Now again, DeGrom is not a free agent until after next season. Um, so he would have another year where he would be under Mets control. But you want to do right by him. The guy has been the most consistent pitcher outside of 2016 that the Mets have had over the last five to seven years. He came up in 2014. It was phenomenal. He anchored that staff in 2015 on their run to the World Series. 2016, he did get hurt with the nerve issue that was very easily corrected. 2017, he was very good. And of course, 2018, the season for the ages. The year that made wins go away. Winning the Cy Young Award in a landslide. So all this stuff is going down. We're still a week away. But baseball actually already did open. Seattle and Oakland played two games in Tokyo. Restarting the tradition that the New York Mets started in 2000 when they played the two games against the Cubs. But I want to dive away from the field for a minute with this. Yesterday, we saw the final appearance on a major league field of Ichiro Suzuki. Ichiro wasn't just a ball player. Ichiro was a cultural phenomenon. Coming over from Japan, becoming the first player in forever to win the Rookie of the Year and the MVP in the same year. I want to say it was Freddie Lynn that did it uh, with Boston, but I'm not 100% positive, and I didn't look it up before I started. The... um. The impact that Ichiro had. Remember this. The Mariners were coming off two seasons or a couple seasons in a row in which they traded Randy Johnson. They traded Ken Griffey Jr. And Alex Rodriguez walked to Texas. And all the Mariners did in Ichiro's first year in the States was win 116 games. He won the the MVP and the Rookie of the Year in the same season. He was a cultural phenomenon. Of course, he breaks... uh, George Sisler's single-season hit record in the American League. Uh, he has his hits from Japan, when you combine those with the, with the United States, well over 4,000 base hits as a professional baseball player, with a shade over 3,000 coming in the United States. And of course, his 3,000th hit a few years ago with the Marlins, a triple to right center field in, in Colorado. I am 40 years old. I have watched baseball all my life. And there are certain players that I really wanted to see live. I wanted to see Pedro Martinez pitch for the New York Mets. My last name is Martinez. To see my name on the back of a jersey on the mound at Shea Stadium. As I did on Father's Day 2008. It was special. 
Shay was special. I got to do a few things that were on my bucket list at Shea. I got to see Mike. I got to watch Mike Piazza take BP and hit a walk-off home run against San Diego in 2003. I met Tom Seaver in 2003. I lived in Cleveland for seven years, and it's still home. And I was there the night the Indians won their first ever division title. I've seen a lot of cool things in sports. I saw the ball go through Buckner's legs. I saw David Fries hit the home run that had Joe Buck quoting his father. We'll see you tomorrow night. I've seen a baseball strike that killed one season and shortened another. I've seen a grown man cry in the field one night and hit a walk-off home run to send a team on its way to a postseason run. But what the game has lost in the last few months, as far as the integrity and the star power of certain players, is very tough to deal with. The end of last year, two guys who I really enjoyed watching play, Joe Maurer from Minnesota and, of course, David Wright, hung him up, and now Ichiro. I only hope the guys who are younger have the ability to take up the mantle and be these guys. I know Trout does. I don't know about the rest of them, but I know Trout does. So as I said, we're a few days away from opening day. It's going to really start to ratchet up now. Uh, Just a little teaser when we do the Mets preview. That first weekend in D.C., you were going to see some arms go at it. Highlighted by the opening day match of, of Max Scherzer and Jacob deGrom. It's going to be a lot of fun. So let's jump from baseball to the NFL. Wow, Cleveland. I want everybody to really think about this. The Cleveland Browns in one calendar year. Because on this night, one calendar year ago, we didn't know who they were taking number one in the draft. They had one and four. Smart Money was on Sam Darnold or Josh Rosen. And if they could, Saquon Barkley or a wide receiver, or Bradley Chubb, the other end to go again with Miles Garrett. In that year's time, the Browns have drafted Baker Mayfield, drafted Denzel Ward, acquired Demarius Randall, drafted Nick Chubb, drafted Antonio Callaway, gone from 1-31 and 31 to 7-8-1, and one, and then having the whirlwind of a week that they had most recently. Signing Sheldon Richardson. Huge move. Bringing in more offensive linemen. Trading Zeitler to the Giants for Olivier Vernon. And now, of course, the big move. The third overall pick, the 95th overall pick, and and Julius Peppers, not Julius Peppers, excuse me, Wow, rough day. And Jabril Peppers to the New York football giants for Odell Beckham Jr. This is a transcendent offense that not only is a transcendent offense, but they have a defense to go with it. Ward's an all-pro corner. Garrett is an all-world pass rusher. Add Vernon to the opposite side to go with Ogunjobi, Ogba, Richardson, Ward, Joe Schobert. Demarius Randall. The Browns are locked and loaded. Now they got to do it on the field. 
Other big moves recently, the Jets, of course, acquired Le'Veon Bell. Good move for the Jets. Bell took a little less money, but I think he fits better with the Jets than anybody else. Having Darnold, having Bell, Jets need some wide receivers. Uh, the Giants have decided to tank the 2019 season. Um, although I think they are going to draft Dwayne Haskins out of Ohio State, which I think could help them. I don't think it puts them over the top, but I think it could help. So NFL free agency is going crazy. Vontez Perfect went to the Raiders. Oh, he fits in perfect there. Of course, Antonio Brown's moved to the Raiders. Uh, I don't know what Chucky's thinking. Put Perfect and Brown on this team. They're out of their minds. On top of that, you have everything going on with Robert Kraft. Kareem Hunt has been suspended eight games. The NFL is staying in everybody's mind, but they are not really leading the way as far as the best image. We're going to dive into that in the next couple weeks, too, uh, as we do a little draft preview for the Browns, and we do a little NFL preview in general. So leaving the NFL for a later date, we're going to jump to the NBA, where the inmates are running the asylum. And for the first time since his second season in the league, LeBron James will not be a part of the NBA playoffs. Shocker. Well, listen, I I don't mean to be sarcastic, but the Lakers were not going to recover from losing LeBron for an extended period of time. Lonzo's done for the year. Uh, They were not a very well-put-together roster. I have my reservations as to why LeBron went to L.A. I really believe it was to film Space Jam 2 and to get his family out of Ohio as his sons went higher in schooling and were going to become, be going to the school he went to, excuse me. So that's where LeBron is. He's not getting to the, to the playoffs. A ninth straight trip to the finals is not happening. And as I sit here watching the Cleveland Cavaliers, I have a renewed sense of hope for my favorite team. They have been playing very well recently. Three straight wins over Eastern Conference playoff opponents, including beating Milwaukee the other night. Uh, They beat Detroit a couple of nights before that, after Detroit came in earlier in the year, about a month ago, and just took them to the woodshed. Kevin Love has been a great leader for this team, and I think it's the guy that of all the guys who could have stayed, he was the one. Tristan Thompson is now healthy again. Colin Sexton is turning into a good uh, point guard. Um, more of, of a two. I don't think they have a true point guard. I love the maturation of Jetty Osman. Uh, and they're getting contributions everywhere across the board. Zidic is playing well. Of course, Kevin Love. Jordan Clarkson has been an absolute wonder, wonderful addition coming off the bench and scoring a lot of points that way. Uh, Larry Nance Jr., of course, uh, my guy, has played very well as well. Banging boards underneath, going to the rim when he needs to, as Sexton scores on a floater. The Cavs have a very, very bright future. And now, of course, after Jay Morant's triple-double in the final in the NCAA tournament, you start hearing, well, if the Cavs get the two, they could get Jay Morant to team him with Sexton. And then you have Clarkson in this. Keep the brakes on. Cavs got a long way to go. When you take LeBron and that core off of a team, it's going to take a while for you to get everything back. 
not saying it can't get it back, but I'm saying there's going to be some some growing pains, for lack of a better term. Uh, they are playing well tonight. Let's see how they close out the season, go into the offseason. Let's see what they do with their draft capital. Looks like they're going to have a high lottery pick. Make it a good pick. Make it a guy who fits in. And, you know, you could make a run to the playoffs next year with the core of guys you have now. So this was a short episode, but we're going to wrap this one up now. Uh, might take a little nap and catch Ohio State's game tonight at 10 minutes to 10. No, I'm kidding. Uh, not happening. The Ohio State plays Iowa State tonight at 9.50, the final game of the night. Uh, go Bucks. As I said before, the Big Ten has only lost one game in the tournament. Let's see how Ohio State does. Hopefully they're going to be 7-1 and one after that game in Ohio State. You can go into the second round where they would pull... It looks like they would pull Houston right now. As I look at the scores of the games going on. Yeah, Houston's up 22 with 9.51 left in the second. So it looks like Ohio State will pull Houston uh, in the second round if they can get the job done tonight. Of course, the history with Ohio State and Iowa State, Aaron Kraft, hitting the big three a few years ago to send Ohio State to the next round. Uh, definitely etched in the mind. So some of the other changes. We have started working uh, and recording on Anchor. So you'll be able to find the podcast on Anchor. Uh, we're going to look to uh, obviously still be on Google. And on SoundCloud, we can be found on social media, on Facebook, The Big Recon on Sports, and on Twitter, at BR on Sports One. Also, if you're in the podcast world and you do get a chance to listen to this, I thank you for your listen. Um you can find me personally at MetsJetsBucks41. Yes, I need to change the Twitter handle because I don't root for the Jets anymore. So this is the Big Recon signing off. We'll come in later next, early next week with a Mets opening weekend preview. And we're also going to get into an NFL draft preview, uh, mainly focusing on the Browns and where some of the other Ohio State players are going to land. Have a good night, everyone. Hello and welcome to this week's episode of The Big Recon on Sports. I'm your host, I'm The Big Recon, and we're going to take a step back this week. I know last episode we kind of went after the media and its lack of coverage on Major League Baseball. While I still stand by that, tonight we have decided to recap the 2018-2019 Cleveland Cavaliers season. So we're going to take a little walk down memory lane with this year's Cavs. I'll give my outlook for this coming offseason and where I think they can go as quickly as next year. So let's start here at the beginning. The 2018-2019 Cleveland Cavaliers season at 19 and 63, a year after winning 50 games in their fourth consecutive Eastern Conference title. The season started off with some hope as Cleveland took Alabama point guard Colin Sexton in the first round of the 2018 draft. Now, anybody who follows college basketball remembers um, two years ago, not this past season, not this season, but the season before, Alabama had to finish a game shorthanded. Sexton is the point guard that led them in scoring in that game and brought them to, I believe, within as little as 10 points against a full roster. Um, so you knew a little bit about him going into the draft. Uh, the night of the draft, who his nickname is Young Bull, uh, pleaded with LeBron to stay and to build this thing, and that plea ultimately fell on deaf ears. July 1st, 2018, LeBron ended his second stint with the Cavs as he signed a four-year contract with the Lakers. 
Now, anybody who's listened to the show from the beginning knows my first show was about the second summer of LeBron uh, and his ultimate choice to leave the Cleveland Cavaliers for a second time. Now, at the time, everyone knew that this was not a fully devoted to basketball decision. Um, I had mentioned in that first episode that he was going to do Space Jam 2, and oh look, he films it this summer. Um, Having said that, immediately you knew as a Cavaliers fan that this season was going to be different. It was not going to be one that ended with a banner hanging in the rafters, but you still had hope. And here's why you had hope. Quickly after LeBron decided to leave Cleveland, GM Colby Altman did what he thought he could to right the ship by signing all-star forward Kevin Love to a long-term extension. Getting Kevin Love's agreement, signature on a dotted line to say, I'm going to stay in Cleveland was a huge move and one that needed to be made. A lot of people will say they overpaid for Kevin Love. Uh, at the end of the day, here's what they paid for. Um, a guy who was a key cog in a championship run just three years ago. And a guy who has been an all-star several times. At the power forward position, he can stretch the floor. He hits the three. This was a move that needed to be made. He's the last of the big three to stay standing in Cleveland. With some young young up-and-comers like Sexton, Jetty Osman, Ante Zizic, local product Larry Nance Jr. For all those who don't remember, Nance was born in Cleveland when his father was a player there. Uh, and, of course, Jordan Clarkson. The Cavs still had a decent roster. Was it one that could carry them to the finals? No. But it was one that I felt at the beginning of the year could win some games. Along with the young players, you had the veterans like Kevin Love, J.R. Smith, Tristan Thompson. And the reacquisition of one of the best locker room guys in the NBA in Channing Fry. Me personally, this podcaster thought big things could happen for the Cavs in year one post-LeBron 2.0. Then the season started. And instead of big things, the Cavs started out 0-6. And after their sixth consecutive loss to start the season, the Cavaliers fired head coach Tyron Lue. Lue, of course, came in halfway through the 2015-2016 season, uh, took a team that was 30-11, and won a championship. Instead of having letting him build the roster, and or not build the roster because Altman built the roster, but instead of letting Ty Lue work with the players he was given, the Cavs felt the need to make a switch. And they switched to Larry Drew, who was Ty's right hand, uh, very well respected in the locker room. They, of course then let J.R. Smith go after J.R. realized that he wasn't going to be in their plans for the for the coming future. And they got heavily bit by the bitten by the injury bug. Um, but even with all those bad things happening, the fans kept going. The queue became was still a place to go, and loyal Cleveland fans showed up every night. The slogan for this team was be the fight. And they fought every night. There were some season highlights that made us smile. Uh, I did watch the majority of this season. Uh, I do have the Fox Sports Go app 
on my television, and I was able to watch the Cleveland Cavaliers any night I wanted to. And a lot of nights it was catching the second half, or it was watching the first half or the first quarter of a game on the West Coast. But I watched the majority of the season. And what I didn't actually watch on Fox, I was able to catch um, full game highlights on YouTube. And I like what I see moving forward. So I'm just going to hit on some of the highlights of this season. Uh, the first highlight to me personally was uh, the night before Thanksgiving. And that was the night LeBron James and the Los Angeles Lakers came into town. Now I said back over the summer that I didn't care if the Lakers went 80-2, and two, but as long as their two losses were to the Cleveland Cavaliers, it didn't bother me. Um, that was a great game. I did a live hit on Facebook right during halftime. And I basically said, someone forgot to tell the Cavs that they were supposed to get blown out. Cleveland played them tough that night. Uh, They did not come out with the win, but they hung on till the very end. And that really was the story for this Cavaliers team all year. The ability to hang on and to play people tough the entire game. They just didn't know how to win. And that's what you learn over time. The emergence of Jetty Osman, who was selected to play in the Rising Stars game All-Star Weekend, was another one of my personal favorite parts of the season. I liked Jetty as a rookie. Um, I liked the way he played with LeBron. I liked the way he played with the other guys in the roster. I liked the way that he played defense. Um... He increased his points per game average from his rookie year of 3.9 all the way to 13. Now, again, he didn't play a whole lot his rookie year because the Cavs went down to a a veteran rotation to get ready for the playoffs and the ultimate run in the finals. But he played really well. And it started back during summer league for me in Vegas where him and Saxton and Zizic all played together there. And Jetty was a leader. He was a standout player for that Summer League team. And I know Summer League is Summer League. But it was good to see this guy play as hard as he did and really take it to heart. And it carried over not only into the NBA season. He played on uh, Turkey's national team in the European Championships. And he played just as well over there. We all know European ball is different than over here. Uh, Not a lot of hero ball in Europe, not like here in the United States. More of a team-centric game. And Jetty held his own. And he played very well there, too. Another thing I was able to watch, I think, one of the games on YouTube. I believe they played Greece. Uh, And he looked great. He looked absolutely great. December 10th brought me a personal smile and a little bit of anger. Um, anger because I had already picked out the jersey I wanted for Christmas. Smile because on December 10th, the Cavaliers reacquired Matthew Dellavedova from the Milwaukee Bucks. Listen, there's a picture on my phone of the first Cavs game I ever went to. In 2015, they played Brooklyn. It was the night after St. Patrick's Day in Cleveland. Um, And I took my picture. They had a height chart of all the different players, and my buddy who was there with me said, y'all, take your picture next to the high chart. Who are you going to stand next to? And the guy I stood next to was Deli. Deli's my guy. So to see him back in a Cavaliers uniform was great. 
but not just because he's my guy. I really felt and still do that Delhi is going to be the kind of guy that can get in Colin Sexton's ear and really help him develop. Kyrie Irving has said that playing against Delhi in practice every day made him a better player. I hope that moving forward with the way he improved as the year went on this past season and going into next season, it will do the same for Sexton. He's the face of the franchise right now. As far as the young players go, Kevin Love is the man in Cleveland, but this will transition into Colin Sexton's team at some point very soon. Jordan Clarkson, huge lift off the bench this year, and in my opinion, should have been in contention for the sixth man of the year. He played 81 games, I mean, he only sat one. He averaged 16.8 points per game, 3.3 rebounds, and 2.4 assists per game. His biggest attribute is he plays with no fear. And does he shoot the ball a whole lot? Yes, he does. But here's the thing about Clarkson. He is the kind of guy, offensively, that can take over a game if you let him. And Larry Drew knew to let him at times last year when he needed scoring off the bench. Most of the nights, the backcourt for Cleveland was Sexton and one of a cast of characters. And Clarkson came off the bench. It's one of the smarter moves Larry Drew made. As Clarkson was a huge lift off the bench, as I said. And he gave them scoring. Something that you, you didn't think they would have without him there. Larry Nance Jr. Continued to develop. Especially after Tristan Thompson was hurt for most of this season. Um... Larry is another one of my guys. I got the Larry Nance jersey for Christmas because Larry Nance, of course, is ecstatic to be home. And I love the story of how the Cavaliers talked to the league and they let him unretire 22 so he could wear it, uh, wear his father's number. I thought that was phenomenal. So over the last two months of this season, Larry Drew had this team playing very well. Kevin Love came back and made it a different animal. The team began to change. At one point in time, they were like 5-2 and two in a seven-game stretch, and they only won 19 games, so think about it. A quarter of their wins came in one seven-game stretch where they were 5-2. and two. They beat a couple of playoff teams back-to-back. Uh, there was a win against the Bucks, and I believe it was Philadelphia that they beat, and I believe they beat Philadelphia pretty handily that night. You heard names like David Nwaba, Nick Stauskas, Brandon Knight, all playing meaningful minutes for a team that was less than a year removed from a fourth consecutive finals trip and matchup against Golden State. Was this a rough season to watch? Absolutely. Absolutely. But there's hope. Sexton begins to mature more and more as the season goes on. And he finishes the third most points in a season in Cavs history with 1,371. After people saying that he was the worst pick of the draft to get to that level by the end of the season, it makes people who are Cavaliers fans have some hope for what he could be in the future. Pair that with two picks in the top 30 of this year's draft. Cavs could be making some moves. 
So as the year went on, we knew the Cavs weren't going to the playoffs. It really was time to watch what this team was made of and look toward the future. They never quit. There's not one game that this team ever quit playing. And that includes the beginning of the year when they were a largely veteran team. And then Kobe Altman started selling everybody off. George Hill, uh, Rodney Hood. They all get traded. JR gets told to go home. And the Cavaliers had a horrible season, record-wise. The hope that they gave their fan base is what the Cavs really can move forward and talk about. So at the end of the year, as it wound down, unfortunately, the Cavaliers' fan base had to say goodbye to Channing Fry. So he decided this past season was going to be his final. Now, Channing could have signed a lot of different places in the offseason. He decided to come back to Cleveland. And why did he decide to come back to Cleveland? He did an interview with... Rachel Nichols, it's him, Kevin Love, and Richard Jefferson, who are three of the funniest men on the planet that I've ever had the uh, great fortune of watching. And he talked about how his connection to the city is why he came back. This is why players like Channing are beloved in places. Because they don't come back because of money. They don't come back because of guarantees. He came back because he loves the city. Channing was a great addition to the 2016 team. His presence in the locker room will be greatly missed. I wish him all the best. I hope he enjoys the next phase of his life with his family. He's a hysterical human being. And I hope he realizes how much the Cavalier fans loved watching him play. So, the future. The Cavs have a lottery pick. And they have the number 26 pick in the first round, which is Houston's pick. So, in theory, since they have a 14% shot at the number one overall pick, which many people say is going to be Zion Williamson, uh, Zion has not declared for the NBA draft as of Sunday night... The 14th at 10.19 p.m. I'm sure he will declare very soon. His uh, One of his teammates have Jay Morant from Murray State, obviously has. Cavs got a lot of different directions they can go. So what do the Cavs need? Well, the Cavs need somebody who can play underneath. I think they need a big man personally, so Zion would be the pick. But if you're not going to get that, having a backcourt of... Jay Morant and Colin Sexton is a nice backcourt to have. It's a nice problem to have. Two young guys who can score the basketball, play on, play off the ball. It's a great thing to have. With those two picks in the first round, plus some free agent money coming off the books, this could be a quick turnaround. You don't know what Boston is going to be coming into this offseason. All, all uh, signs point to Kyrie Irving leaving the Boston Celtics. You don't know what other decisions other teams in the league are doing. Detroit got absolutely annihilated by Milwaukee in the playoffs today. Um, Indiana, you don't know what Victor Oladipo is going to be when he gets back from the injury. 
Orlando, Charlotte, these teams all have big guys as far as players coming off the books as far as free agency goes and or they need to re-sign some of their own players and may not have the ability to. It's going to be an interesting summer. I don't believe the Cavs are going to be a huge player. I think what Kobe Altman is going to do is he's going to strategically place pieces around his young core of Clarkson and Sexton and Larry Nance and, of course, the veteran and Kevin Love. So the Cavs could be a really great young roster with a few veterans sprinkled in to steer steer the ship. Get some character guys who can also play. Kevin Love is a character guy who can also play. But here's where it gets... The the waters get a little bit more murky. Larry Drew, who got so much out of this under-manned roster, um, has left. He He has stepped down as head coach of the Cavaliers. They will not extend him... Uh, So now the search begins in earnest. Uh, The Cavs have had a couple of different guys on their list. Altman has started interviewing. Um, Trying to get the list of guys here. It's not going to be any of the big names. Of course, Luke Walton already got his job. Um, Juwan Howard is a name that's being thrown around as far as a head coaching possibility for the Cavaliers. Uh, Howard, who had a really good NBA career, uh, has been doing some coaching. I don't know if your first job is going to be that kind of glorified place. You have Juwan Howard, uh, Dallas assistant Jamal Mosley is being interviewed. Uh, Howard's working for the Heat right now. He's been on Spolstra's staff since 2013 when he retired. He did interview for Detroit's uh, coaching job in 2018. Uh, Mosley was with the Cavs until 2014 when LeBron came back. He then went to Denver for several years. So you'd have a rookie coach and a young base of talent. Um you got to find a coach who can teach his team to play some uh, team defense. Also, you need to find somebody with an offensive scheme that's going to really make Colin Sexton and the players they bring in in the draft make their offensive skills shine. Sexton is a speed burner. He can absolutely fly. He can hit the outside shot, and he is relentless to the goal. Bringing in other players like him, with a coach that can teach them to play as a unit. That's what the Cavs need to do. I don't know if I agree with a first-year head coach for this team going in, but I don't run the Cleveland Cavaliers. Uh, The newly renamed Rocket Mortgage Fieldhouse, formerly the Gund Arena, formerly Quicken Loans Arena, um, is undergoing some serious renovations. Uh, They will host the 2022 NBA All-Star Game as well as the 2024 Women's NCAA Final Four. Hopefully between now and then there'll be some more playoff games and some more banners in the rafters. Maybe not a title, but you win your division, you throw a banner up there. You win a conference, same thing. So a little background on me. I have been a Cavaliers fan for a while 
I remember a friend of mine in college walking up to me and saying, yo, your boys just traded Patrick Ewing. And the Knicks became dead to me. Some of the players on the first Cavs teams that I really dove in on, Brevin Knight, Bobby Sura, Sean Kemp, the beginning of the, of the Zadrunas Ilgoskis era in Cleveland. And for the first time, I am excited for a non-LeBron season. I've watched and listened to this team for the better part of 20 years now. And the years with LeBron were just different. It went from the young kid from Akron making good, making our team great, to coming back after leaving the first time, we're going to win a championship, and then finally winning the championship in 2016. I hope my excitement for next season is rewarded with a fun season. Instead of me sitting here recording a year-end wrap-up on the first week of the postseason, I'm sitting in my championship gear on my couch watching the Cavs play in the playoffs. Even if they're the 8th seed, which I predicted they would be last year. So at the end of the day, even though it was a 19-63 and season, I did enjoy this season with the Cleveland Cavaliers. I enjoyed watching young players. I enjoyed watching guys who normally wouldn't get a shake, but because of the way the roster was built, actually getting one. I enjoyed watching Larry Drew coach this young team, and I certainly enjoyed watching Colin Sexton begin to mature right in front of our eyes. Seeing Larry Nance dunk over everybody he possibly could and Jordan Clarkson coming off the bench and being the scorer we needed. 2019-2020 is going to be a fun season in Cleveland. A lot can happen between now and tip-off sometime next fall. Just got to keep fighting. Go Cavs! So that's going to end this episode of the Big Recon on Sports. Not going to have the Mets video up tonight. Uh, A, it's getting late, and B, the Mets are playing the Braves right now on ESPN Sunday Night Baseball. They are losing 5-1, to one, so I'm going to try and get the uh, weekly video wrap-up for the Mets up tomorrow night, uh, probably during the Phillies game. Uh, they play in Philadelphia tomorrow night at 7. I believe ESPN is carrying that game as well, as is SNY and uh, CBS on the radio. Big Recon on Sports can be found on Google Podcasts. SoundCloud, Spotify, Breaker, Pocket Cast, Radio Public, the Big Recon on Sports YouTube channel, and of course Big Recon on Sports on Facebook. On Twitter, it's at BR on Sports One, and my own personal Twitter handle at MetsJetsBucks41. Next week's show, we're going to dive into the NFL draft. I will be part of a mock draft coming the Monday before. So we're going to talk a little bit about the Browns and where I think guys from Ohio State will end up landing. Um, yes, I know I did a I Hate the NFL show, but the draft is coming. I'm not going to do 8, 10, 12 weeks of guys in t-shirts, but I'll take a look at some of the teams I think could use some of the guys who used to wear the scarlet and gray. And we'll get into a little bit of the spring game next week, too. Ohio State played their scarlet and gray spring game this past weekend. We'll dive into some of that and see what we're going to have when we get to the college football preview come this fall. Thank you for listening. Hope you guys have a great rest of your night. We'll come at you tomorrow with the Mets wrap-up show on Twitter. Take care, guys.